The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Lara Rame, Chief US Economist at FF Investments, saying this. It is incredible how long it has taken the market to let go of hopes for a March rate cut. My expectation is that we get two to three rate cuts in the second half of this year. Lara's calling them surgical rate cuts. Lara, I'm pleased to say, joins us now for more. Let's get into what's happening in this bond market, Lara. We've had a big reassessment of what is happening with the Federal Reserve and yields have climbed on a two-year, on a 10-year over the last two sessions by double digits. Are you surprised by how little we've moved? Do you expect us to move even more based on the data we've had so far? Yeah, you know, I think it's been a reassessment, but given that we were at 5% as recently as October, I think there's room to have even more of a reassessment. I think this idea that we're sort of, you know, just pushing rate cuts out month by month by month, to me, begs the question of how we're really stepping back and reevaluating as investors the impact of a higher yield world. And, you know, you add up the you know the the um, sheer supply of treasury coming online we're going to be able to get those auctions done but all else equal that's higher yield the inflation genie is not fitting back in the bottle that's a higher yield story and then the growth um, at the end of the day i'm actually surprised yields aren't higher than they are Laura, with that in mind, why do you think it's better to express the stronger data through the bond market at the longer end of the curve and not necessarily at the front end well, I think the, the inversion and the fact that short-term yields are so much higher than long-term yields is really still a signal that the bond market is nervous about some coming slowdown. Or it's also muscle memory from the fact that when we do have problems, the Fed slams rates down to zero. I think the Fed is in a, a place maybe a good place that hasn't been in for a long time. If the economy slows more than sort of a Goldilocks landing, and I agree with Lisa, that phrase is feeling overused at this point, um, the Fed has room to cut rates maybe a little bit more. But these six rate cut forecasts to me, it need to come with some more significant economic slowdown, which wouldn't be great for equities. Laura, you were talking about higher yields ahead, particularly in the long end. How much higher could you foresee at a time where a lot of people think we're kind of range bound for the foreseeable future? I, you know, you look at long tracts of history when nominal GDP aligned pretty closely with long term yields. I don't want to make some insane forecast of yields going up above 6 percent. But you look at where we're growing today and say we settle around 5% nominal GDP growth, I don't think it's out of the question that we would hit 5% on the 10-year at some point this year. And I just don't think markets are prepared to that for that. The complacency that we're seeing is coming from two places. It's coming from expectations that growth is just going to be very optimistic and that inflation is going to come down. But it's also coming from complacency that yields are going to stay low 
you know, long-term yields are going to stay low. And I just think we need to prepare ourselves for a lot of yield volatility. We saw that last year. I think that carries forward. One of the big things that, that people have been struggling with is what is the neutral rate, right? Because if it is much higher, rates could stay at that level for longer and you could see things kind of chug along. Do you have a sense of whether 5% 10-year yields would be incredibly restrictive? Are 4% yields restrictive? When do we know? You know, this is something that I have debated heavily because to a large degree, we don't we can't measure the neutral rate. And if you look back at history, we've never actually sat at a neutral rate for any length of time. The Fed's always in very restrictive territory or always in accommodative territory. We don't tend to just hang out around two and a half to three and a half percent Fed funds rate. So. I think, you know, every Fed cycle starts because we've had an, uh, a shock, either, um, a, you know, a very strong growth shock or a very weak shock. And today we're sitting still carrying the momentum from a very strong shock. So I think it could be another six quarters before we really get a sense of where we are. And in the meantime, wow. wage pressure, inflation pressure, it's all creeping higher again. So Lara, last year, I remember our conversation, you said inflation may not make the last mile. That's what you said last year. Here we are, you still seem to believe that's the case. We could sense with Chairman Powell in the news conference last week, he wasn't quite comfortable to say on behalf of the whole committee that they had greater confidence that we were indeed heading back towards 2% and they want to see more data. More of the same, perhaps. Not better, just more good data. He was concerned that perhaps the improvement we've seen over the last six months might have been down to one-off factors. Not his base case, but the concern exists. Clear to me that you may think it is actually down to one-off factors. What is it about the last six months that you see not repeatable in the next six months? Getting from, you know, 6% to 3%, I think, has been a lot easier. I've been sort of using that analogy of, like, a long road trip with a bunch of kids in the back of the car. If a couple of them start acting up, it makes the whole trip really difficult. And I think we're starting to see them act up again. And we've just, I think, had a, a nice period where, a, a short period where we were seeing, you know, the energy, the goods prices and progress on services moving together. But services is starting to creep higher. I think goods deflation may have run its course. And I think energy is very open to geopolitical risk. There are, are growing, I think, you know, in, influences that are going to cause a couple of the kids to throw tantrums in the next six months <laughs> Lara, of the journey. who are the kids in the back of the car? Name them. Fed officials, a handful of them? Or is this market I, participants? I think, no, I think the, the kids are what's driving inflation higher. It's, you know, the shipping costs creeping higher. It's services wages creeping higher. It's coming from the fact that uh, food prices are still, I think, too high for consumer comfort. It's coming from a lot of places now. Lara Rain, thank you. Lara of FS Investments, that was brilliant. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, 
and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.